In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, and blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of the Way, pray for us, St. Ignatius. All God's angels and saints. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the second uh, conference we give, only in the first day do we have these uh, little bit prolonged conferences because there's so much to, care, uh, to cover. So I'm going to go through two uh, basic ideas. I try to be as succinct as possible. Uh, I'll talk first about giving you basic principles on how to meditate. And then I'll talk about I'll talk about principle and foundation. So meditation. Our tripod is lecture, sharing, and you'll get to know your your groups, and we'll give you your we'll give you your um, your material to meditate displaced after after the talk, and then. Um, You'll be finding some time to do your meditation. So, meditation and prayer. Okay, I'm going to say something off the bat, which is probably the most important thing that I can say on giving you tools or uh, meditation method is, is the following. Yesterday... Uh, a driver picked me up to take me downtown so I could be at the Sembrador retreat to hear 100 confessions in five hours. And uh, when they, they have these four events every, every year, I mean, I can drive there, but if he's going to be driving me and find parking, yeah, let him do it, no? <laughs> so I don't have to go through all the rigmarole. Uh, but what happened was uh, I greeted the man very good man, and after greeting him, thanking him, right away I said, can I pray the rosary? And he said, oh, yeah, of course. So there was a little bit of traffic yesterday, which usually and Saturdays you don't have when you're traveling into L.A. So I prayed, I prayed a rosary. It was a Luminous Mysteries. And without even telling him, I moved into the Sorrowful Mysteries, and without telling him, I moved into the glorious mysteries. <laughs> then we arrived at convention center. 
And uh, I, I'm telling you that story because one of the greatest graces I ever received in my life, uh, ever since I was a child, I always liked to pray. And I've never met a child, except reading Dominic Savio, I never met a child so far that that's told me, Father, I really like to pray, much less a teenager. No? I mean, I'm being honest. You know, I'm a priest for 36 years, so I'm not the new guy in the block. No? So I consider, I consider the fact that right away, right away, I didn't even know the guy. He said, can we pray the rosary? And he said, yeah. And so I prayed. I didn't give, him, didn't give him enough time to think when I entered into the second one, nor the third, no? So we prayed the whole time. So what I'm saying is this, is uh, before being a priest, I was a professional teacher in Philadelphia. So I can teach. I can teach. And I know that I can teach. Uh, so if you were to ask me, uh, I, I can give you classes almost around the clock. One of those nonstop speakers, no? So I, I can give you all the mechanics of how to pray. And having a degree in English literature, I can give you tons of books. You start to talk about literature, you've got a non-stop conversation with Father Broom, no? On, a, on, a, on an English literature level, but even more so on a spiritual level, I, I can tell you a lot about literature. So I can, I can educate your intellect on how to pray, but I cannot give you the desire to pray. So I have to say that off the bat. And I consider it one of the greatest graces in my life that I, I mean, I, I, I like to pray. Am I good at it? Only God will judge. No? And as a priest, probably 75% of my talks are always at least implicitly related to prayer. Why? Because if I, if I can get you to pray, I'm going to get you to heaven. Really. If I can get you to pray, and you take prayer seriously, every one of you, you're going to get to heaven. Irrespective of your faults, your failures, your transgressions, you're going to make it to heaven. And these spiritual exercises are basically... It's not a Bible course, but it's, it's a program in which we want to have a deep union with God, and that's what prayer is. I start off every day, an hour and a half meditation, live as the hours. Without that, I'm worth nothing. If I do that, you're going to see the, move, the, the mountains moved. So, I will be Offering my novena that all of you, all of you will have a desire to pray. That, that I won't have to say you have to do your holy hour, but you want to do it. As a priest, knowing a lot of our people, I have to say, I have to say this: you have to go to mass. If you were to tell me at 15 you have to go to mass, you you would have insulted me as a teenager. 
You know why? Because I don't go to Mass because I'm kidding the duff, as we say in New York. I go to the Mass because I love to go to the Mass. You have to tell me to go to the Mass. Most Catholics, you have to see, have to go to Mass, which is, for me is kind of an insult. So, I mean, I don't want to have to say that you have to do your holy art. You know, rather, you do the holy art because you love God. Because you love God. <laughs> In the American society, often love is measured by giving to others on a monetary level. Okay? In the American society, which is a materialistic society we live in, is love is measured by the desire to give people material goods. And nothing wrong with that. But I would say giving another person time is worth more than a million bucks. Give your teenage daughter a good half hour talk every day worth more than all the money in the world. Right? And this is, a, this is an American cliche. It's a hackneyed, trite phrase. I don't have time. What do you mean by you don't have time? What do you mean you don't have time? It's a misnomer. It's a misnomer. It's a misnomer. Because we all have 24 hours. You've got 24 hours, the people in China have 24 hours, the people on the moon have got 24 hours. It just depends on our hierarchy of values. If you believe, if you believe something's important, you're going to do it. We tend to be selective listeners. We are. We want to hear what we want to hear. So, off the bat now. Okay. If you want to show that you love God, starting today, starting today, you're going to make the decision, I will give God an hour every day. Irrespective of how you feel. And if you're basing your spiritual life on feelings, you're, you're, you're an infantile. You're very immature. You're basing your, you're, you're basing your, your spiritual life on feelings. Very dangerous. You don't follow feelings, but faith and reason. Amen? Amen. Faith and reason, not, not feelings. Faith and feeling. Okay, hopefully, okay, hopefully, as you start off your exercise, I'll pray for you. This first week is going to be your spiritual honeymoon. Okay. I pray. I pray that it will be. I'll pray that you have a lot of consolation this week with Prince Montana. I pray that you will. And I, I trust you will, that you're going to have some, some meditations that kind of blow you away. You're going to say, wow, this is great. But if you're going through 10 weeks, you're going to have a day where you're going through it almost, it seems as if nothing is happening, as if maybe I'm wasting my time. 
any of you are married, and many of you are, it's not a perpetual honeymoon, is it? Hello? No. <laughs> the, 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 the physical, the emotional attraction is part of wanting to get married. But you can't always live on that emotional high. It doesn't work that way. So in our spiritual life, you're going to have a spiritual honeymoon. You're going to have these days where, wow, what insights. I really feel I really love God and I know that God loves me. And maybe, it'll, maybe I'll have it the whole time, the ten weeks. Maybe it could happen. But usually that's not the way it is. So what I'm saying is, if you can say right now, I'm going to be here for the next ten weeks. Because this is the week also when a lot of people will drop out. Next week it thins out. I want all of you, I want all of you to be here in 10 weeks. Amen? Amen. We have a New York uh, phrase, don't be a quitter. Okay? <laughs> right? i never heard that in L.A. yet, but we say in New York, don't be a quitter. Okay? Uh, don't give up. And Teresa of Avila says this, Debemos tener una determinada determinación para nunca dejar la oración. En español es muy poética, ¿no es cierto? There's certain poetry in Spanish we don't have in English prose, huh? But what I said in Spanish is you have to have a determined determination to never give up prayer. A determined determination to never give up prayer. So, as we're starting off, you have to make that determination. As you say also in New York, come hell or high water, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. Right, Sherry? Come hell or high water, I'm going to be here. Because what's going to happen? Okay, first day good, second day good, third and fourth day, I'm not getting anything. Oh, this. Father Boomer's uh, chief lado. Okay, okay. <laughs> How do you say that? He's, he's crazy, no? He's going overboard. He's over the top. Huh? Persevere. Hang on there. Okay, so that's my uh, motivational pitch to try to get you to recognize that that you have you have to beg for the desire to want to pray and then just be faithful. My father passed away for seven years ago, but uh, they were married for sixty-two years. That's a long haul. Nine kids, thirty-nine grandchildren. That's a long haul. If they were not loved there. They would they would never have been able to persevere. They recognize once they get married, they're going to have to go through the tough, the thick and the thin of it. If you're a married person, you understand they're going to have some struggles in your marriage. Part, that's, that's part and parcel of, of life. As a priest, we're going to have struggles, even more than you lay people, much more. But faithfulness. So, be faithful to 
your daily commitment. Some of you have heard of Fulton Sheen, right? Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen. He was faithful to what is called his holy hour for more than 50 years. Some of you have heard of Fulton Sheen because you heard me speaking, right? (laughs) He was faithful to his holy hour for more than 50 years. He called it his holy hour, the hour of power. Hour of power. Some of you are thinking, Father, I prefer a happy hour over a holy hour. (laughs) Well, have a happy holy hour, okay? The, 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 the origin of Fulton Sheen making his holy hour is fascinating. If any of you have ever read The Life of Fulton Sheen, if one on retreat with me, we heard his life read there in our last retreat in Alhambra. No? Fulton Sheen decided to do a holy hour because a Chinese bishop came to Europe and told him about an experience. There was a 12-year-old girl in communist China that was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And the Chinese soldiers broke into the church and with their machine guns they shot bullets in the whole church. And they riveted the statues as well as the tabernacle. Ripped off the tabernacle and riveted into the ciborium where the hosts are. Those hosts were scattered on the ground in front of the tabernacle and the soldiers were not, not even aware what the hosts were. And the girl was, was praying in a place where the soldiers didn't even see her praying. But there was 34 hosts that were scattered. So what happened was, she came back the following day, she made her holy hour in front of the hosts that were scattered on the ground. And after the hour she bowed down, because back then a lay person could not touch the hosts. So she lapped it up with her tongue. The following day she did the same. Then a week then two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And finally, there was only one host left of the 34. She finishes making her holy hour. The soldiers barge in again. They see her this time. And one of them had a rifle with the butt of the rifle bludgeoned her to death. With the, with the butt of the rifle. So Fulton Sheen heard this. He said, if this little girl becomes a martyr of the Holy Hour and the Blessed Sacrament, why can't I, in free America, make a daily Holy Hour? So from that time on, he was faithful to his Holy Hour until the very end of his life. And the only reason why he's not a canonized saint is the work of the devil. If he were canonized a saint... 
He'd be the model for all priests and bishops in this modern world. I don't think there's any priest that's greater than this Fulton Sheen and all hell is breaking loose to prevent him from becoming venerable, to become blessed and to become a saint. I personally met him once. My dad who worked in Manhattan bumped into him and horned and hard out when he was going into, the, into a restaurant. Five four, small man. Do any of you know when he died? December 9th, uh, Juan Diego, 1979. He died in front of the Blessed Sacrament in his private chapel. He dies in front of the Eucharistic Lord and you can see Jesus saying, Welcome home, my friend. You've been a faithful servant. Come on home now. Pray to people from heaven now. Any modern priest or seminary should see him as their model. But it was it was a daily holy hour. He was faithful to his daily holy hour. Canon, canon law, which means the law of the church, says that at 75, a bishop has to send in his resignation, letter of demission, it's called. That's canon law. At 75, he was a bishop of Rochester, New York. So he sent in his letter of retirement, and the, bishop, the Pope can extend it, but Pope Paul VI said, okay. What do you think he did the next nine years of his life. He dies at 84, the same age as John Paul II. He didn't spend the rest of his life playing bridge and playing golf, no? Or playing tic-tac-toe, no. The rest of his life, he did what was probably the most important thing in his life, giving retreats to priests and bishops for their conversion. And he would say to them, when you preach, often the people don't listen. But when I preach, the people listen. (laughs) Why? Because of the hour of power. My words are anointed. I don't think I've ever heard a more eloquent, anointed, deep preacher and teacher than Fulton Sheen. I think one day should not only can I become a doctor of the church. If you read any of his works, they're very deep. You have to read them two or three times, but you can tell this man is a saint. He's a saint. And it's because he's, he did what I'm challenging all of you to do. You're not a priest and a bishop, but you're, you're called to become saints too. Called the universal call to holiness. Okay, so I, I, I really feel that I have to motivate you before giving you a method. And pray that you, pray that you want to pray. That you desire to pray. That you see the importance of prayer. You're all called to become saints. You're not going to find a saint that didn't pray at least two or three or four hours a day. You can't find any saint for that matter. No? They're asking you to... We're asking you to give that hour. 
how do you learn how to speak a foreign language? You've got to practice. How do, you, how, how do you learn how to cook? By burning the tortillas, right? <laughs> how do you learn how to drive? By, you know, driving over the curb more than once, right? How do you, how do you learn how to throw a curveball? I practiced it more than a thousand times. And I pitched a no-hitter when I was in New York. And you got to practice. You got to practice. Teresa of Avila says, you learn how to pray by praying. You hear me? You learn how to pray by praying. No, Father, my work is my prayer. Activism. Horizontalism. Americanism. Condemned by the church. My work is my prayer. Uh Uh-uh. You're more Martha than Mary. Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) There's a Martha here, right? Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) Now you've got to be a little bit more Mary than Martha now, huh? I really believe, uh, I believe God's going to hear my prayer. You're going to arrive at a certain point. You're going to say, true Father, no, I I really look forward to doing my holy hour. I really look forward to that. Uh, I really believe that's going to happen with most, if not all of you. I really, I was challenged at first. I was fearful, intimidated by this program. But wow, it's really not as hard as I thought. And I get up and I, I want even a little bit more. I want to do it maybe later on. If you want to do two hours, one more in the evening, I think I'll give you my blessing. <laughs> yeah. For me, an hour is not enough. I, I, for me, I, I finished my hour and a half today. I said, boy, I wish I had more time, but I got to, I got to get, I got to move. No. Hopefully, you want you have this hunger for prayer. Psalm forty-one, one. As the deer yearns for the running streams, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. Ah, love that verse, don't you? As the deer yearns for the running streams, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. Yeah. Yearning for the Lord, our God. Okay, then here's a few ideas on the method, and we'll give you a PNF. Number one is this. You have to have, you should have a set time every day. Have have a set time every day. If you change the hours every day, experience shows you're probably going to give it up. As the philosopher says, man is a, is, a, is a creature of habit. We form habits. You want to form a habit by repeating the same action over and over again. It's a habit. A good habit is called a virtue. A bad habit is called a vice. Okay? You want to form the habit of prayer. So you want to try to aim. Sometime tonight you're going to have to try to determine when is the best time of the day 
to make your holy hour. Okay, if I can suggest, I would strongly exhort, suggest that you make it as early as possible. Okay, and for several reasons. Okay, as early as possible. Number one is that you know from experience, when you put things off to later on, either you, either you, you don't do it or you do it poorly. Right? Because you people, you're busy. You got your families, you got your work. All of you people, you, you're, you're busy. I am too. <laughs> Welcome to the club. No? Welcome to the club. Uh, if you put it off later, even Faustina said in the convent, she said, either I didn't do it or I did it poorly. So you want to give the Lord your first fruits. Do you remember Cain and Abel? Abel gave the first fruits. Cain gave the leftovers. Are you Cain or Abel? Hopefully your name is not Cain Abel. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it's not can able. It's just going to be able. I will enable you to be the able, okay? <laughs> able. Give the Lord your first fruits. Another reason why, and this is even more convincing. Have any of you read Mark chapter 1? We spent a whole week on it about three weeks ago when we entered an ordinary time. You're saying, we don't know, Father, we're not Protestants. Okay. <laughs> I was reading your mind now. We don't know we're, we're Catholics or not Protestants. Huh? Okay, there's, a, there's a, a part of Mark 1 that gives you a typical day in the life of Jesus, in his public life. Very busy. But after a long day, says that Jesus got up, he got up way before dawn. He got up way before dawn. I'll say that again. He got up way before dawn. You hear me? Hey, that's going to be 3.34 o'clock. 3.34 o'clock. And then the apostles tracked him down. He went to a deserted place. They didn't know where he was. He had to hide from even the apostles to have that deserted place. Then they found him, and listen to this, they found him absorbed in prayer. We want to aim for that. We're probably distracted in prayer. But we want to be aiming at, aiming at the point where we're really absorbed in this intimate dialogue with the Lord through the help of the Holy Spirit. So that's the second reason why early rather than later. The third reason is this. I know maybe in your life you got it made in the shade, everything is a piece of cake, but not for me. My life is a constant battle. And Probably not the same because you're not priest, but my life is a constant battle. And as you get older, it gets more difficult. Constant battle. 
So I make my holy hour to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. You have your own battles. The devil, the flesh, the world, concupiscence, we all have our battles. You start with the holy hour, then you have wind in your sails to fight the good fight and to win the battle. And the next reason is, once you, if you do the holy hour, you're more aware of God's presence during the day and God sends you more inspirations. And it gives you even more patience. So those are reasons why I would strongly encourage you to make the holy hour as early as possible. Now that means you probably have to go to bed earlier. I don't want to, you to be deprived of you probably just have to you have to go to bed an hour earlier. And the last hour of your day is probably you're just fritting around, you're not doing anything anyway, right? Most people, the last hour, you're kind of winding down. It's probably the least productive, the last hour. Okay, well, hit the hay earlier. But you, have, you have to have a set time, and if possible, if you have to get up to go to work at 3 o'clock, okay, you have to do it in the afternoon. Okay, there's no way around it. But there's probably, probably a good number of you that you probably could do it early in the morning. Okay, the next would be the place where will you do the holy hour. Now, the ideal would be to make the holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but that's not possible for all of you. Annette, when do you open up the church? Okay, uh, we have our church, which is open at 4.45. You're welcome to come. 4.45 every day except uh, Sunday. Okay? Every day except Sunday, the church door is open at 4.45. I'd like to see you at 4.45. Okay? <laughs> and you got the Blessed Sacrament. I like that, you like that? <laughs> and then, hey, 4.45, Mass starts at 6, 6 o'clock. Wow! <laughs> You're in hogs heaven, huh? Wow. Wow. As the Beatles used to say, it's getting better all the time, right? Wow. Wow. It's already already resolved. You're going to be coming here at 4.45, stay for the 6 o'clock Mass, then stay after the Pray the Rosary. You're going to be a gangbuster, huh? You're going to be a gangbuster, huh? Senorita Rambo, huh? Okay. You got it. All right. If it's impossible to do the Holy Hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, then in your home. But you have to find some place where there's silence. If you don't have silence, it's difficult to pray. I will do it in my bedroom, but there you're in the bedroom and you hear this mel- melodious song. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> How did my Italian? <laughs> the melodious, mellifluous jargon of your husband snoring, okay? There's got to be some place where there's silence. Okay, then it's a good idea to have images. Are you Catholics or are you Jehovah Witnesses here? <laughs> have you fallen into the iconoclastic heresy? Oh, you know what that is? Okay. No, good. We got some highly theological group here, huh? We're not our iconoclasts, are we? No. So, have images. My suggestion, have a nice image of Mary. I think it would be impossible to have a Mexican that does not have a Lady Guadalupe. Right? Or a Filipino that doesn't have a Lady Perpetual Help, right? There's so many beautiful images of Blessed Mother. If you don't believe me, buy my last book, okay? Amen? A lot of beautiful images. I was brought up different than you. I was brought up in front of the, uh, the, the a Lady of Grace. It's stepping on the head of the serpent and a Lady of Fatima. Still the same person, a Lady of Fatima, a Lady of Grace. No? Whichever one that appeals to you most. And then have Divine Mercy. You like that? Do you like the Sacred Heart? Maybe a statue of St. Joseph. Maybe a garden angel. You might, even, you might even light a couple of candles. You might even burn some incense, but not marijuana. Okay? <laughs> yeah, buena. No, no, no. So you're creating what is called the spiritual milieu. A nice French word, milieu. The spiritual environment, right? Okay, then you're going you're gonna to be given, you're going to be given worksheets work or you're going to be giving handouts which exp- explains how I meditate very, very easily. So every day, these, these uh, ten weeks, you're going to having a specific uh, meditation to do. But start by Ignatius says, okay, place yourself in the presence of God. Use your Ignatian tools. Place yourself in the presence of God. Then you have the classical Ignatius, Imagina la mirada del Señor. Imagine the Lord looking at us with love. All right. Then pray the Hail Mary. Ask the Blessed Mother to pray with you and to pray for you. And then, this is a key point. The spiritual, the spiritual master or teacher of the exercise is not Padre Escobito or Father Boom. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit. So you want to pray the Holy Spirit. 
You'll be surprised. If you pray the Holy Spirit, pray fervently with humility, the Holy Spirit will give you a lot of insight. So pray the Holy Spirit. Then, read slowly the biblical passage and the commentary. But with this, with this idea, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. From Samuel, right? Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. You're reading because God is going to speak to you in this meditation. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Our tendency is, listen, O Lord, for your servant is speaking, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. It is a dialogue, right? But let's listen to what God says, and we want to respond to him. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. So you're reading, and God is going to communicate his message to you. Then when the passage or the commentary seems to speak to you, seems to move from your head to your heart, stop then and open up and talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. This is called a colloquy. Colloquy is the the word. Read, reflect, speak to the Lord. Read, reflect, speak to the Lord. So, you're speaking to the Lord, you get distracted, go back and read the text. You go back to read the text. Okay, another idea occurs to you, stop, okay, talk to the Lord. Now you could be on a on a roll where you're really just you're opening up talking to the Lord. There's something that really captivates you. Well, a half hour went by. Now I'm distracted thinking about what's what's for breakfast. Okay, go back and read again. And you find if you do this, it's not as hard as you think. But you have to be trained to do this. These are called spiritual exercises. If you're an athlete, okay, you can maybe run four or five miles. You've never run before. You try to run four or five miles, you're going to have a heart attack. We're, the, we're spiritual exercise. We're athletes for Christ. And we have to try to train our spiritual muscles. Huh? Right now, they might be flabby. Gordita. Yeah, right? They might be flabby. So we've got to work on doing those, those reps, huh? Nothing muscle tone, huh? Okay, then, hey, it's an hour. If you want to extend it, you can do it. Then after you finish, write down what did God say to you in that period of prayer? What was God saying to you? It's God's love letter to you. Yes. What was God saying to you? 
then have your notebook and write down for a few minutes how God spoke to you. So you're all going to have a notebook. So when you come next week, after my talk, you're going to be breaking into sharing groups and you're going to be sharing one of those meditations that seem to touch you most. Got it? So, uh, those are just a few ideas on your meditation. But the key is you've got to persevere. Spanish, they say, al pie del cañón, if you know good Spanish, huh? Al pie del cañón. ¿No es cierto, amigo? You're going to be there. Okay. Your first meditation is going to be, it's called Principle and Foundation. Principle and Foundation is this. We have to know where we come from, who we are, where we're heading, and how to get there. Okay? This is the, the most philosophical meditation in the exercises. We have to know where we came from, who we are, where we're heading, and how to get there. Most Catholics have what is called a spiritual identity crisis. Okay? They don't really know where they came from. They don't know where they're heading. They don't know what, what are the tools they have to take. And they don't know the ultimate destiny of their life. Okay? And this is what Ignatius says. He says, you are created. You're created. Ignatius does not put by God, but that's understood. You are created to praise God, to reverence God, to serve God, and by means of that to save your soul. That's principle and foundation. I repeat, you, 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 why, did, why were you brought into existence? Wasn't something haphazard? You were brought into existence for this purpose, to praise God. In this life. And to praise God in heaven. We're just praising God in the highest form when I just finished celebrating Mass. There's no greater means by which we can praise God than by the Mass. That's the opus Dei. That's the work of God par excellence. Then reverence God. Having reverence before the sacred. We're going before three times holy God, right? Isaiah. Moses, take off your sandals. You're in front of the burning bush. We're called to serve God. If you praise and you reverence God, you want to be serving God and the, and, and the people that God puts in your path. So, 
St. Thomas Aquinas defines charity or love in this way. Charity or love is willing the good of the other. Thomas Aquinas. What is the summum bonum? What is, what is the greatest good? The summum bonum, the greatest good, is what? Is the salvation of your soul and the salvation of the souls of your children. And then the whole world. That's the greatest good. The greatest good I can do is to be a bridge by which people are going to heaven. If you really love someone, if you really love someone, you're going to try to do all you possibly can to get your family members into heaven. And then others too. But starting with your family members. Hey, you all have family members that are maybe on the fringe. Right? Offer these exercises for your family members. What do you think? Hello? Offer it for your family member. Okay, the struggles you have. Okay, the fourth day of kind of aridity. Okay, I'm suffering through this. I'll offer this for my daughter who's not living a good life. I'll offer my son who's given up the faith, living with his girlfriend. I'll offer it for their conversion. God hears you. He sees you. He's aware of your suffering. No prayer and suffering is wasted if it's given to us through the heart of Mary. So that's principle and foundation, the first part. You are, you're called to praise God and to save your soul. Then St. Ignatius says that we are called, he says also, we have to use creation properly. It's called the law of proper use. Either we use things properly or we abuse them. Either we use or we abuse. So everything in creation that God created is good. So if everything is good, why do you have evil in the world? God is not at fault. But rather, we're we're abusing the created gift that God has given to us. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and eating. But after this, you go to McDonald's and you, and you, and you eat five hamburgers. That's too much. <laughs> it's not a sin to eat a hamburger. Hey, if it weren't for sexuality, we wouldn't be here. But if you fornicate, you commit adultery, that's wrong. Hey, you're married here. You're married to your spouse. Why are you cheating on your spouse? Nothing wrong with sex. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> but there's abuse of it. So that, this point is very... Look at your life. That we, all have, we all have to try to order the disorder in our lives. We all have disorders. Right? So the exercise can help us to... to, to, to do everything for the honor and glory of God. We're using things as a means by which we can get to heaven. We're, we're using everything as a ladder by which we can arrive to heaven and not as a stumbling block. <laughs> ladder by which we go to heaven and not as a stumbling block. So everything that God created, you read through Genesis... The book of Genesis. God created, it was good. 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 Everything he created is good. 
Then where is the evil? Because we, as free individuals, have freedom. We choose to abuse it. So that's part of your reflection this week. How am I abusing creation rather than using it for the honor and glory of God? On Saturday, I give a 15-minute homily how people can abuse themselves by not getting enough rest. Okay? So I give a 15-minute homily and try to, no, try to get enough rest. So you're going to get up earlier. Try to get to bed earlier. All right. The last part of principle foundation, I end with this, is the following. At least I'm introducing you to Ignatian vocabulary and a key concept. It's called holy indifference. You hear me? Holy indifference. Holy indifference does not mean apathy. Or the young generation, the whatever generation. Can be important, huh? It's not indifference in the, in, the, in the understanding. Who cares? But holy indifference means a total, a total openness to God. You're totally open to whatever God's will might be. So, are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts now. What I'm going to say, it, it, it is a little bit scary, but you have to hear it. And little by little, by spiritual osmosis, spiritual osmosis, it will sink in gradually. You're not going to arrive at this overnight. I'm struggling with this, even though I've been given the exercise for 35 years. What I'm saying, I understand intellectually, but I certainly do not live it perfectly. But I understand it. Okay, you don't want to prefer a long life to a short life. Okay, maybe God wanted to take your husband away, okay? or my dad away. That's tough. That's a tough one. But if God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job chapter 1, right? And look, your emotions don't always connect with your intellect. It takes a while and prayer to be able to understand that and assimilate that, okay? So not to prefer a long life to a short life. Because God gives us life, right? And God takes it away. In my family... My grandmother lived in three centuries. Yep. Okay, most of you, you, you think that's impossible. What does that mean? She'd have to live at the end of a century, right? I, li- I was born right in the middle of a century, so I'm not going to be living in three centuries. <laughs> Unless my name is Meth- Methuselah. Okay. <laughs> she born in 1898 and she died in 2002. She couldn't stand Babe Ruth because she was a Tiger fan. No, <laughs> Ty Cobb, huh? But I have a little sister that died in nine months. She was a stillborn baby. Why is it that my little sister lived nine months and my grandmother 104? I don't know. But God is much more intelligent than I am. See, a lot of people come angry to the priest. Why did God allow... My brother to die at 14. Okay, it's a mystery, but God gives and God takes away. Maybe God wanted to take your son to heaven to pray for you and the rest of your family. I mean, God, we, we see from A to B on a clear day. God sees from A to Z on the foggiest of days. Right? We see from A to B on a good day. God can see everything. Past, present, and future converges in the, in the same point with God. God created time. 
So the imitation of Christ of Kempis says is not important a long life, but a holy life. Amen? Amen. Not important a long life, but a holy life. Not to prefer health over sickness. Hey, we all get sick. My dad at the end of his life says, you fall apart one piece at a time, right? (laughs) He died at 88, and when he was 80, I'm falling apart. No, like an old jalopy, right? (laughs) But you know, sometimes when you have a sickness, sometimes through sickness that brings people closer to God. Because they have to depend more on God, less on themselves. And I can allow a sickness, maybe to get someone into heaven. Then he says, Ignatius, not to prefer riches over poverty. That's a tough one for an American, huh? No way. Americans don't want to hear that, baby, do they, huh? Not to prefer riches over poverty. In a certain sense, my friends, the richest person in the world and the poorest person in the world is going to end up in the same place. Six feet beneath the ground, right? Not a shishkapa, right? <laughs> and lastly, not to prefer, not to prefer honors over humiliations. Do you like that? <laughs> God allows us to be humble, but to choose what is most conducive for the end for which we're created, the honor and glory of God. Amen? Amen. So thank you very much for your patience today. I promise you it will be much shorter, but there's just a lot to cover to set the groundwork. Let's say Hail Mary, and then um, Mary will, uh, will orient you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, and blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and hour. Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe next week. Yeah, because it's late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. Speak a little bit louder. Yeah. Okay.